Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Nebraska Public Media Sports brings you Nebraska baseball. Catch our live coverage as the Huskers meet the Indiana Hoosiers on the Diamond at Hawks Field at Haymarket Park in Lincoln. Watch Friday, May 10th at 6 p.m. Central on Nebraska Public Media. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Hurt at Sports Radio. Kicking off hour number three here on Herd at Sports Radio on AM 590 ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities, and KFOR in Lincoln. I'm Ravi Lula. Andrew Rogers here with me as well. Hello. We are joined now on the War Horse Sportsbook Hotline by our guy Matt DeMarinas from the White and Blue Review. Matt, what's going on, buddy? Hey, Ravi. How are you, bud? We are doing good here. Uh, you know, Creighton's got off to a... Uh, pretty solid start, I would say, in the uh, men's basketball season. Just that one loss to a, turns out, pretty darn good Colorado State team, even if it looked incredibly ugly in the process. But as you kind of, before we get on to, to UNLV and Alabama and kind of this uh, little bit of a gauntlet of a, of a stretch here that they face after this UNLV game, I, I guess through the first nine games were about what? A little more than a quarter of a way through the season. How would you evaluate what you've seen from Creighton so far this year? Hmm. I mean, I think everything's tracking as expected. Like, they shoot the absolute hell out of the ball. That was a box to check. Mm -hmm. Uh, They play pretty good. I mean, they execute that defensive game plan to a pretty high level. You know, they know Ryan Kaufbrenner is... Um, one of the best defensive bigs in the country, and they like to set bear traps for teams to say, go ahead and go shoot against them if you want to. We're not going to shoot threes um, unless you want to chuck them from deep. Um, so I don't know. It's, they're checking a lot of boxes right now. I think, you know, it's just everything that's right in front of them in the near future is basically just barometer tests, I guess, right? Like, mm-hmm. you'll just how good they actually are, where they stack up with the the other teams in the country that are playing good basketball right now. But, you know, these seasons are really long. You kind of segment them up a little bit and, you know, just see who can, you know, when March rolls around, you just kind of see who's peaking and, and whatnot. But right now I think they're playing at a really high level. They've, t- they've done what they need to do in terms of taking care of the teams they've played so far in the fashion that they've done it. Um, and now it just kind of ramps up a little bit. Uh, I think, you know, tonight's another – 
Another game that probably fits into the, the cog of what the rest of the schedule has looked like so far, UNLV's either banged up or missing, in Keelan Boone's case, missing a key player because the NCAA just you know, feels like dragging their feet on eligibility issues. Uh, so they're not going to get the best version of UNLV that we might see this year. So it's a big advantage. Creighton could be be one that gets away from the runner rebels, but they also shoot the ball really well. They have a lot of good shooters on the roster, and so if Creighton's not hitting at their normal level, it could be an interesting back and forth game. Um, but after that, basically Saturday is when it's like it's that's, that's go time. There's not like a I guess I shouldn't say that Georgetown DePaul is still on the schedule. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Other than after, basically after Bama, it's not like you're not going to get many roll the ball out and do your thing kind of games. It's all going to be, you know, chess matches and who can execute their, their style of play better kind of thing. So in a certain way, the season really ramps up on Saturday. Well, Matt, it, when you're looking around the Big East, in terms of Creighton's Big East title hopes, are you more worried about Marquette or UConn? Uh, stopping those hopes for Creighton. Hmm. Gosh, you're making me like that's that's such a hard question because I'm choosing between the team that ran away with the league last year, right, and versus the one that won the national championship. You're right. I know it's it's not an easy one to answer, <laughs> uh, and and for Creighton yeah. to uh, to get it even into the Big East title game, it's going to be it's going to be a tough uh, like a tall mountain to climb. I still think, though, that just in terms of Creighton, Marquette is a harder team than the guard. Okay. So, um, so I'd probably lean Marquette. I think they match up like across the board better, I guess, with UConn than with Marquette. Like uh, Tyler Kolick, I think is. I mean, Tristan Newton's playing pretty well, but I would take Kolick over him. Just in terms of the way he runs the the show and can take over games without having to, to have a stat, basically, you know, Tristan Newton gets a little usage heavy, um, and not that Tyler Kolek doesn't, but I don't think Tyler Kolek needs to be the result of the play for it to be for him to have an impact on how the play results. You know what I'm saying? So I'd still lean Marquette. Still, to me, has played when you look at ceilings of each team how they played so far. I think Marquette has still exhibited the highest feeling of any team in the conference. Um, UConn, maybe your argument for them being one of the tougher outs or possibly the toughest out is that maybe their floor is higher than anybody else's as well. So mm. that's where they fit into that. But I would still pick Marquette because I think they're capable of playing what we've seen so far. They're capable of playing at a much higher level than anybody else in the league so far. Matt, that's an interesting question because I think stylistically in terms of how Marquette wants to play, that kind of leans more into what Creighton has been doing this year, whereas UConn sort of stylistically leans more into what Creighton had been doing the last couple years. Is that fair or am I overgeneralizing there? Uh, No, it's fair. I just think when you match up, like you're talking about matching up Creighton versus those teams. Yeah, like stylistically. Right. I think Creighton can combat and overcome what UConn does well better than they can combat okay. and overcome what Marquette does well. Like Marquette has like Tyler Kolick is a is a wizard and they also have a 
facilitating five men who can play from the basket and be comfortable with the ball in his hands and also Igadoro. So like that's 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 something that UConn doesn't have. Like UConn, you know, when you look at the UConn matchup and how it stacks up with Creighton, like Klingon versus Kalkbrenner, kind of the same type of big, right? Like mm-hmm. Newton uh, is a unique point guard in terms of the way he can score and rebound facilitate, but um, Creighton also has those kind of guys on the floor as well in Baylor Shireman and Trey Alexander. They all can do what, Tr- what Tristan Newton can do. And then you have your Alex Caravan, you know, compared to Mason Miller slash Isaac Kraut, kind of similar in terms of the things they bring with the rebounding and the shooting and the floor spacing. But I think when you look at UConn, the way they match up with Creighton, you can you can find, like, similarities there in terms of how they match up. Marquette's kind of like the unicorn of the conference with, with the way they do things. Uh, we're talking with Matt DeMarinas from the White and Blue Review. Uh, Matt, you mentioned, the obviously, the shooting for Creighton this year. Uh, when we, in one of our previous that, questions, that notable. It, <laughs> I think it is a. Uh, I think it's something to to keep an eye on. Has Baylor sure. Sherman taken eighty threes um, in the first half? Uh, no. <laughs> the, <laughs> um, obviously, the shooting is a dramatic improvement from last year. Um, I, I think that's what we all expected. I think we expected them to sacrifice some things in terms of either other parts of the offense or maybe defensively in order to achieve that goal. Do you think there are any areas where they are markedly worse than they were last year, or have we not seen enough against high-quality competition to be able to tell that yet? Um, definitely a little of column B there, but I don't think there's any area where they're markedly worse than last year. Maybe noticeably? is I mean, I don't know. Is there an area where you're like, eh, I think they were a little better last year? No, I really don't. Okay, I don't know that's. I, feel, I don't know. I'm not sure if I feel that yet. Okay, like I still, think, I still think, I still think, maybe physicality at the point of attack in like a one-five, you know, ball screen type of situation, like, could be an area where Creighton maybe not, um, not as potent as they were last year. But even then, like you know, I wouldn't say Ryan Nemhard was the most physical point guard in the world anyway. So like. I don't know what the gap between what Nemhard could do in terms of fighting over those screens and forcing, you know, that like staying attached and forcing, you know, that ball handler into the, you know, that mid-range um, area of the floor to Kalkbrenner is a lot, is a whole lot different than what Ashworth can do, you know, at his best. Because they're both kind of, they're, neither of them are like bulldog type point guards, right? Right. I think the difference is like right now, you know, you could bring like a Sharif Mitchell off the bench last year and play him with Ryan Nemhard and have him fill that type of role as a defensive like test mm-hmm. um, at the point of attack. Creighton doesn't have that this year, so they're missing that part of it. That being said, I still think they can execute their defensive game plan to a high level. You know, just by being intelligent, by you know staying locked in defensively, understanding the assignment and executing that to the best of their ability. Like, I don't think there would be a humongous drop-off there because you still have Ryan Kalkbrenner as the anchor to it all. Um, and you have guys like Trey Alexander who can guard the other team's best player and, you know, shut their water off. And I think Baylor Shireman is better defensively than he gets credit for. So, like, you know, athletically, coming off the bus, maybe they don't look like they could be as imposing 
defensively as they were last year, but I still think they can execute what their defensive game plan is. And when you factor in how much better they are in terms of their offensive efficiency and their ability to space the floor and and find multiple shooters um, that can get on heaters, I think it kind of washes a little bit. You know what I mean? Like maybe they give up something defensively compared mm-hmm. to last year's whatever. And I said this in the off season too. Like I could see their defense falling into like the twenty-five. 30 range, I, but I also could see their offense jumping into the top five. So it'll be like a little bit of a give in terms of the the scales balancing, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, they still end up being, you know, one of the best teams in the country um, because of that balance. Uh, Matt, another area that I've heard people say that they think uh, that Creighton is maybe not quite as, as prolific at this year is you mentioned Ryan Nemhard his ability to get into the paint on uh, whether it be screen and rolls or just through penetration in general. Uh, A lot of people point to that as an area where Creighton has not been as good this year. Uh, What are are your thoughts about their ability to kind of break down a defense off the dribble and um, how that differs from last year? Are we just responding to Twitter? This is kind of fun. I like this. <laughs> That's the entire radio show, man. This I just find stuff on Twitter. Twitter and yeah. <laughs> Jackman69420 says Creighton sucks at defensive rebounds. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that component of like a downhill, like make a play type of point guard is probably not there, but it's also there in, with Trey Alexander and Baylor Shireman being able to attack and exploit downhill rim opportunities um, from the guard wing spot because of their spacing is better than it was last year, you know what I mean? So, again, I don't want to cop out and give the same answer I just gave to the last question, but in a way, it kind of it it, it takes care of itself in a different... The trade-off is worth it, basically? It, it, well, I mean, the trade-off is just the trade-off. Like, I think Creighton can still score at the rim with with a with a with a guard or a wing like Trey or Baylor, um, the same way Nemhard could, because of their improved spacing, because you have to stay attached to four of the players on the floor, and even Ryan Kalkbender is a guy that you can't necessarily just say, yeah, go ahead and live out there. Um, you know, you have to stay attached to him because of what he does in DHOs, how he can stretch the floor with his shooting, um, all those kinds of things. So it. it it's not like Ashworth isn't going to create the way Nemhard did, but Creighton has creators that can do what Nemhard did. Does that makes sense. Yeah, Matt. So what's our next one? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> My, mine's more of a maybe another thinker for you, but maybe it's pretty. Maybe it's more of a quick answer for you, just based on what you've seen. Out a part of the big three: um, Alexander, Shireman, and Kalkbrenner. Who's one? Off the radar player, so to speak, on this team that's drawn your attention early as somebody that can really step up and be a difference maker once Big East play begins. I think it's always Francisco Farabello. See, I'm with you. I'm with you. That is that's my answer too. <laughs> he's yeah. He's I mean he's the guy that just doesn't get the the you know the adulation he deserves. And I think his defensive ability this year has, has taken a step forward. Sure, and I think it's because he's a really intelligent basketball player. Like, in you know, it's not like he's going to wow you athletically, physically, but he's 
um, you know, strong. He's smart. He's experienced. Um, and honestly, like the thing with the thing with mapping out Creighton's ceiling, right, is you know how far can they go, right? Like you need a team that has studs in stud roles. Mm-hmm. You also need you also need studs in um, you know auxiliary roles. So like you have to have like it's the old coaching cliche, right? Like can you be a star in your role? Like you have to have guys who just totally uh, grab their role and embrace it and do the best they can with it because everyone, when you go into, the later you get into a season, the more high-stakes games you're playing, your best players are going to have a harder time taking over games because they're going to be the focus. The difference in terms of a deep run or not is you know, what can Frederick King do in the non-Ryan Kaufman minutes? What can Francisco Farabello do with if he has to play 25 to 30 because of foul trouble or an injury, um, things like that. Like, you always, what, what can Isaac Trout do? Which one of Isaac Trout or Mason Miller is caught that day? Um, both. The guys, yeah, both. In some <laughs> instances. Okay. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just, it's all about, like, you know, what type of impact can you have on the game? without getting too far outside of what you do, who you are, and what the offense and defense are designed to do. And I think Francisco Farabello is a guy that, to me, probably flies under the radar every single game, but always makes a huge impact on winning from a consistent basis every single night. Um, yeah, he's probably my pick for, for that particular topic. Uh, Matt, I wanted to you, you mentioned Mason Miller and Isaac Trout there. Uh, I wanted to mostly just tell everybody how right I am and then you can agree with me but I'll, I'll try and form it as a, as a question here um, so, yep that's literally the entire reason I do a show Matt um, <laughs> the ego boost sure no problem the Isaac trout and Mason Miller shooting a combined uh, I believe my math is close here like 55 percent from three this season. They're 30 for 55 as a duo. Um, they're just shooting the lights out of the ball between each between those two guys at the four spot. Before the season, a lot of people asked about the loss of Arthur Kaluma and what that means for Creighton. And, and my argument was, I think you can make the argument that he's a more physically talented guy, but that Trout and Miller are better fits for what, for what Creighton wants out of that spot. Is that an accurate reflection of what we've seen from them and their shooting numbers this year? Is it just a hot start? Like, how do you weigh those two things? Hmm. Maybe. Um, I think, because I think you could make an argument if I'm just saying, like, what if you only traded Stephen Ashworth for Ryan Nemhard and then you kept in his normal spot and then, like, didn't add Trout, say, mm-hmm. right? Like, so you still. You still have so you have Ashworth instead of Nemhard, and then you have Miller and Kaluma Miller, as opposed to Trout Miller mm-hmm. and Ashworth. So like, I can still see a world where Creighton is as good as they are right now with Kaluma Miller as opposed to Trout Miller. Because honestly, like last I checked, like Arthur Kaluma shooting thirty eight percent from three. I think this year, if I'm not mistaken, like he's probably been. 
you know, ever since the, I think everybody kind of latched on to that, uh, what did uh, Jerome Tang come out and say, like, he felt like Kaluma needed to have better buy-in or whatever. Like, ever since that game, he's been killing it. So Yeah, 39% from three this year. Wow. That's what I'm saying. Like, so, you know what I mean? He's been really good. Like, he's been 82% at the line, 39% from three. He's efficient inside, uh, inside the arc as well, and he's doing what he always has done from a physicality standpoint in terms of, um, being a tough physical defender and rebounding the heck out of the basketball on both ends of the floor. So I think there's still a world where, like, if you put an alternate reality Creighton team out there and you say, like, Kaluma's still a part of it, um, I think Creighton's still as good as they are right now, just in a different way. Um, but there's no doubt about your point that Miller and Trout fit what Creighton wants to be this season with this roster because of their the way they can space the floor around Ryan Kalkbender and allow Trey Alexander and Baylor Shireman to be, you know, to unlock their kind of creativity and playmaking skills because of the spacing around them. Um, I'm just, yeah, it's, it's closer in my opinion than I think people would give it credit for because of the way I think A, Kaluma's um, feeling and because of the way he's also playing in, you know, the same season as Trout and Miller are. Matt, last thing from me. Has anything sounded the alarm bells in your head already this year for Creighton, whether it's a player or a team issue? Has there been anything that has you saying, man, they've got some work to do? Yeah, chemistry's garbage, man. I mean, I've never seen a team that hates each other. <laughs> uh, I'm just joking. Please don't cut that. Uh, cut it, Shane. Hey, Shane, that's our new drop. That, that's chemistry is garbage. That's on TikTok. <laughs> Matt DiMarina says Creighton has poor chemistry. Yeah. Uh, no, there's no alarm bells right now. I mean, because I, I think everything in terms of figuring out if they're actually a Final Four national championship contender is kind of like right in front of them. You know, mm. it's, it's coming up. Find out. We'll find out soon how much they still, how, how far they have to go to get to that level pretty soon, I think. So there's not, there's not, there hasn't been an alarm bell yet. Like, I think. I think everyone would be like, well, they lost about 20 to Colorado State. It's like, well, but they had, you know, unbelievably bad shooting performances across the board. Like, mm-hmm. that's just not going to happen consistently. So Yeah, Trey's not missing 13 shots. <laughs> yeah, like, well, I just think if it's alarming, it has to be something that's a consistent trend that's exploitable. And I don't think hoping that Creighton misses 30 of 40 shots between those two guys is, is exploitable. You know what I mean? So um, it's just, you know, you, you're basically – um, hoping at that point. Um, so, no, nothing that's alarming at this point right now. Uh, Matt, we got about two minutes left here before we let you go. Uh, obviously, the next four games at UNLV, Alabama at home, Villanova at home, at Marquette. Of those four games, based on what you've told us, is the at Marquette the one that you're most looking forward to as like a barometer of where this team's at? Uh, gosh, I don't know. I guess I kind of set that up earlier, didn't I? You did. That's why. I mean, that's why I followed up with the question. You know, I was kind of trying to. Yeah, I don't know. I think Alabama is going to be a barometer because, like, can Creighton actually, like, you know, score with an athletic team that likes to? Yeah, physically, they're challenging. Yeah, sure. And then Villanova, going into the year, Villanova was actually I picked Villanova second ahead of Creighton, right behind Marquette, and wasn't going to be surprised. The only reason I picked Marquette to win the league is because they won it last year, and I felt like that they deserve respect there. But I liked, I thought Nova was a team that could win the whole league 
So I'm surprised at the up and down nature of their season so far. So I don't. I think next. I mean, UNLV if they take care of business tonight in the fashion that I think they should, based on how UNLV is playing and what their roster looks like right now. I think these next three games could all be barometers and in, in to an equal or similar degree. Uh, the, that's Matt DeMarinis from the White and Blue Review. Uh, at another juncture when we have more time, we're going to have to have the Kyle Neptune conversation at Villanova <laughs> at some point. Uh, but Whoa, you have a Kyle Neptune conversation you want to have, huh? Well, I mean, if everybody thinks they're as good as they are, and I am with you, there's kind of a variable there that it's like, well, maybe we have a Kyle Neptune problem. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm just saying. All right. We need longer than two minutes, but I'm ready for it. Well, it's good. We only got 30 seconds left, but we will have you back. We will have the Kyle Neptune conversation, and uh, we will talk to you again soon. Thanks, buddy. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. See you, Matt. That's Matt DeMarinas from the White and Blue Review. Coming up next, uh, Florida State and the state of Florida still salty about not making the college football playoff, and they're taking their arguments to court. We'll find out what that's all about next here on Herd at Sports Radio, AM 590, ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities, and KFOR in Lincoln.